This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Bulls podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as we always do. How are you doing, Rich? Oh, I'm full of hope today, Brendan. Uh, In a lot of ways. The Kings have really turned things around, uh, won six of their last eight games, st- somehow, stunningly, shockingly, looking like a different team on the court right now. Um, and also, with the trade deadline passed, uh, I think it's an appropriate time to start looking towards the draft, uh, and that always brings a bunch of hope with it. And it also brings uh, Mr. Bryant West with it today from Sacktown Royalty, the draft expert over there. How are you doing today, Brent? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Good timing for uh, the Kings to finally be uh, playing some some fun basketball now, right when we're about to start talking about uh, where they're going to end up in the draft. Makes things a little more complicated. Right? Yeah, sounds about right. Uh, you know, just just enough to miss out on playoffs, but also good enough to not have a great pick. That would just be perfect, you know. But, no, it's nice yeah. to see Sacramento playing some good basketball, like Rich said, uh, six of their last eight and now three in a row. Uh, it, it's looking nice. Um, you know, I guess we can go over these, maybe these last two games briefly. Um, a little bit of a back-to-back here. Uh, they beat Miami 105-97. Uh, no Jimmy Butler or Tyler Hero for Miami in that one, but some impressive shooting. And then against San Antonio, um, it's very interesting to say that they executed better than a Greg Popovich-led team, but they ended up winning that game 122-102. to 102. Uh, What are some of the no- differences you're starting to see in these last few games for those Kings teams, Rich? Well, I mean, obviously I think it's got to start with ball movement and spacing, which is what we kind of wanted to see for from the Kings, but um, it's starting to kind of happen, and uh, – yeah, especially against that Miami zone in particular was when you kind of saw it woke up uh, from my perspective. But uh, what else are you seeing? Uh, I, too, have been really, really impressed with Sacramento's ball movement uh, in the last couple of games. Uh, it's just been a joy to watch, especially from uh, the beginning of the year where everybody was kind of timid and the ball just wasn't going anywhere. Um, but I, I mean, the last couple of games have been really fun because the Kings are just making all those extra passes and, uh, their shooters are just knocking down at this insane rates right now. Um, I, I'm not sure how much of, uh, the, the winning basketball in the last 
six of eight games, like you said, is is um, going to be sticking around for the rest of the season. I sure hope it has because I mean they're just a completely different team to watch fun wise when they're when they're hitting on all cylinders like this. But uh, uh, yeah, excellent couple of games there. Very very much a welcome sight after a kind of very dreary January. Yeah, Buddy and Bogey have looked great since uh, swapping places in the starting lineup in the bench. And Buddy obviously having that crazy 9 of 10 from deep game against San Antonio was just ridiculous. And can't expect shooting like that every single night. But uh, he definitely seems to have come back around. And when he's a focal point when running with that bench unit, I think it works well. Same as Fox being the sole focal point in the starting lineup. But uh, even with this winning streak going on, like Brian said, I don't know how much stock to put into this. They're not beating great teams like I said Miami with no Jimmy or Tyler Hero San Antonio struggled this year two Minnesota wins Chicago and the Clippers was very impressive I think that was maybe the best Fox game we've ever seen but the Clippers um, do kind of fall to the level of their opponent at times Um, but despite all this the, the Kings are still five games out of the eighth seed and like we said we brought Bryant on here to kind of preview the 2020 draft and Maybe just the way to start this is overall, um, you know, I don't watch very much college basketball, but I do read up on it. And it seems like the general feeling is that this is a pretty weak draft class, right, Brian? Yeah, uh, if you're going to, if you've got any uh, one takeaway from this draft, it's definitely not the talent level that we've seen in the last uh, good handful of drafts. I guess the 2019 draft is pretty proving to kind of be top heavy, but I, I definitely would say that the 2020 draft just from a big picture standpoint is less has less for sure talent than the last couple of years. Um, John Goodman had a good tweet a, a couple of weeks ago. He said he quoted an anonymous uh, NBA GM who said that the top of this year's draft could be 2013 all over again, um, which is kind of a, you know, a scary notion. Um, but I think it's a really good analogy. Uh, the top of the 2013 draft was really messy. A lot of the lottery teams, including Sacramento, uh, they selected Ben McLemore in that draft, of course. Uh, they didn't get the level of talent that they'd been hoping for. But when you take a step back, that draft class still got us uh, MVP. <laughs> Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, gave us Victor Oladipo, gave us uh, CJ McCollum, uh, Rudy Gobert, Stephen Adams, uh, Otto Porter. Um, if I say the name Dennis Schroeder, is one of you going to jump through the microphone and slap me? Um, I'm not, I'll, I would consider it. <laughs> Rich is the one yeah. with the problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it basically just uh, regardless, the analogy is perfect. This class is really complicated. Um, every guy we're going to talk about in this lottery range has a ton of question marks. Uh, I think more, more question marks than most years. Uh, there's not a ton to be sure about for any guy. But I'm sure in five to seven years, we're going to be highlighting a, a good handful of dudes who made real impacts in this league. Um, and I'd say to find diamonds in the rough in a rough draft class, you just you really have to have a scouting department and front office that you trust to do their homework. Uh, Gene Cross and the King scouting department really have their work cut out for them this year. That quote um, from you said it was from John Goodman. Jeff Goodman. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I really liked him on Roseanne. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, that's, 
I, I mean, yeah, I, I draft, drafts feel like, uh, I mean, even when we think we know, uh, it, it's always a mixed bag no matter what. Like there can only be a certain amount of certainty you can have going in. And I know that, like you've said, and, and like we're going to get to, it's especially at the top where this one feels murky, right? Um, especially yeah. among – there's just not a consensus number one pick out there, I don't think. So maybe we can start by asking you uh, who you have at the top, and that is probably going to be a question with multiple answers, maybe a tier of, of four or even five guys. But, uh, yeah, I'll pose it to you like that. What's the – what's the upper tier of this class? And if it is just one guy, great. And if it's not, uh, give us, just run off the names before we get into each one. Yeah, sure. Um, I, this is my first, uh, first time I've put together a tiers list for this draft class. So I'll put throw in the caveat. I still got way, way deep backlog of games to go through. Um, but kind of funny, I, I didn't really expect this to happen. When I put together a tiers list, I, I only got one guy in tier number one. Um, which I wasn't expecting a couple weeks ago. And I know there's a bunch of smart internet scouts out there who uh, who are going to disagree with me, but I, I think I'd take Anthony Edwards top of this draft. Um, I think that of all of these guys, and, and he's got just as many question marks as anybody else we're going to talk about, I, I just think he's got the highest upside. If everything clicks for him and he hits that 90th percentile outcome, I really think he's got the best chance to be a star in this class uh, simply because when he's locked on, he's a grim reaper on both ends of the court. Um, he's hyper athletic and a ton of power to back it up. I mean, you don't find any six, five guards with his level of explosiveness and power. Uh, you know, he's kind of like a, a Tyreek Evans um, strength guy, but has way more uh, verticality and explosiveness than Tyreek ever did. Uh, he's also had some games where he just went absolutely insane from distance. And uh, he's got all the offensive skills you want in a secondary combo lead initiator, pull-ups, step-backs. He's uh, really good in the pick and roll. He can make uh, solid reads and toss out some nice passes. Just he's not doing anything efficiently. Um, his shooting numbers are the very definition of meh, especially considering he's got a really high usage rate. Um, his defense can be solid when he's engaged, uh, but he also takes time off on defense just because he's so vital to what George is trying to do on offense. And because like most 19 year olds, he's got effort issues on defense. Um, it, it stinks that he's on an otherwise mediocre team that isn't going anywhere this year. Like I don't think George is going to make the NCAA tournament and, and, and if, and, <laughs> and college basketball really needs them to make the tournament because this is a year devoid of stars. Um, but George just truly lacks any spacing to optimize him and grade us, give us greater insight into how he's going to do in the NBA. Yeah, it is interesting. You have him in his own tier. Most uh, mocks that I see or big boards that I see do have him as number one, but sort of within a tier. Um, so I don't think you're too crazy on this one, but I do think we want to get uh, sort of basic with these guys because this is sort of our, first introduction to this draft on the pod. So uh, he is like, the understanding is that he is an on ball initiator, right? It, you, he would need the ball in his hands in order to uh, maximize his output that you would see, right? Like if we're bringing this back to the Kings a little bit, um, if you have the number one pick here, I mean, I think you have to go best player available because Sacramento needs that talent, but his fit 
and this sounds sort of familiar, his fit with like uh, Fox could be a little interesting or how would you see that dynamic somewhat playing out? Also considering Buddy and Bogey are sitting on this roster as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, this is going to be a really complicated draft to try and juggle both um, best player available and any sort of fit with Sacramento uh, because the dudes at the top of this draft, you know, even the, uh, the players that, you know, most experts are putting in that top tier, like you said, they're all either initiators, primary initiators, or at least secondary initiators. And first of all, you guys know that if, if they're being a primary or secondary initiator is not to me, a damning thing when uh, for the Kings, Um, we sure all wanted Luca a couple years ago. Um, But I would say that the difference between these guys and uh, Luca a couple years ago is that they're all shorter and they're going to be playing primarily at the guard spots. And like you said, Sacramento is really already deep at the guard spots, even, even just trying to fit in, Anthony Edwards with what Sacramento's got on the roster would be, would be a real complication. Um, but if you put the gun to my head and the Kings had the number one overall pick, I'm going to take Anthony Edwards just because I think he's the most talented player. And of these primary initiators that we're going to talk about, I also think that he's the one I would most trust to learn to play with another initiator. Um, you could certainly make that case for LaMelo Ball, I guess, if, if he's going to take the route that his brother did and, and be all right playing with a, a Drew Holiday level secondary initiator, kind of share it. Um, but having De'Aaron Fox as the one stable foundation piece does make the rest of this evaluation from Sacramento's standpoint really interesting. Um, I don't know how that important that is for Sacramento because unless they just absolutely – tank the rest of the year i think according to tankathon they are set for the 11th pick right now um but if they jumped up to the you know one of those top three picks it'd be really interesting to see how this front office moves ahead with this uh complex draft class are you currently paying off student debt interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. Yeah, you're absolutely right that the Sacramento Kings, like they just kind of, they kind of could use improvement everywhere, but the, the only guy that, you know, the only position you, you really would want someone to walk right into would be a forward spot, a versatile forward that um, can shoot it, can facilitate a little bit, uh, has length to defend. And that guy just isn't necessarily in the top, top end of this draft. Um, even some of the forwards that are projected to go in the first half of the lottery, they don't have all those skills. So, yeah, if you could custom make a, a prospect for the Kings, that guy just isn't in this draft, it appears. Uh, 
But is the hope at all that uh, with Anthony Edwards, would the hope be for the Kings that he could slot into the three and maybe you roll with Fox and Bogey and Edwards, Barnes, and, and hopefully Bagley if he gets healthy? Yeah, you know, at, at, at that top of the draft, I think you just take both talent and and roll totally with the um, versatility lineup uh, attempts. Um, just because Fox and Anthony Edwards and whatever guard you want to slide in there with him and uh, hopefully another shooter or two, it's just it, it, at that point you've got too much talent on the floor not to try and figure it out from there. Um, Anthony Edwards is definitely more of a, uh, I would say, size-wise a two-guard, but he's definitely strong enough that I could see him guarding some threes uh, when the situation was necessary. Um, it, But like you said, there's just no perfect fit in this class. That There's just not going to be for Sacramento. Um, I don't know that I would say that if the Kings got one of the top couple of picks that they'd be better off trying to trade down just because Sacramento should never look a gift horse in the mouth uh, talent-wise. But this is such a complex draft that there's just no certainty from what I can say they should do. Yeah, I think that what you're saying makes sense. You know, um, Buddy and Bogey aren't the – the youngest guys. Um, and if you wanted to, I mean, yeah, if Sacramento ended up somehow getting this number one spot and Anthony Edwards was the clear number one, then I think that you just have to take that and figure it out going forward. But uh, you said you had him in his own tier at the top here. Who starts your secondary tier? Well, I still believe in Cole Anthony, uh, point guard from North Carolina. Uh, just like Anthony Edwards, it's it's very complicated for Sacramento, um, even more so because I don't think that he's going to ever play without the ball in his hands, and that's just too positionally redundant. Um, if Cole Anthony was the best player on the board when Sacramento picked, I'd, I'd really think about trading down. Um, I just, even after that Duke game yesterday, and if anybody wants to watch the most insane collegiate game in, of the last couple of years, go watch the last uh, half an hour UNC Duke yesterday. Um, Anthony Edwards, very talented shooter, flashes movement shooter like few guys his age can. Um, he's crafty and always putting defenders on their heels, even if he's not the most fast or explosive dude. But um, this is going to be a repeating theme for many guys in this draft class. Uh, the Tar Heels roster is just not optimized around him. It's the worst this school has had in a long time. Um, the team around him is shooting, I think it was 28% from three point this season. And you just don't win with a point guard trying to drive into the paint and meeting triple teams and having no avenues to pass it out. Um, but just as much as Anthony Edwards, even more so, it's, it's a complicated thought to uh, consider adding uh, Cole Anthony to the Kings. Um, but I'd say the same thing with Lamelo Ball. Uh, he, of course, only played uh, 12 games in Australia. I definitely think he's still in the same uh, logical tier as Cole Anthony. Um, I'm not the highest on Lamella just because I really did not like his shot selection in a couple of uh, uh, Illawarra Hawks 
that was his Australian team. Um, his shot selection in those games was just terrible. Uh, but he's just a beyond smart passer, can throw out some insane assists, and he'll thrive in a, in a hyper-paced environment with NBA spacing. Uh, but just like Cole Anthony, he didn't have that in Australia. Uh, and just like Cole Anthony, he might be arguably a top three talent in this class, but he just doesn't fit at all with what Sacramento needs. They do not need a point guard. So it's a top names in this class are, are pretty complex. I think it's just the thesis of all of this. So, you know, with Anthony Edwards, there, there is like at least the argument you can kind of squint and, and, and see it, it working with the current team. Um, and again, maybe that's not, maybe it doesn't matter. Like we were saying, just take the best player, but you know, maybe with Anthony Edwards, you see him as strong as he is 18 years old. Maybe he continues to grow the, you know, the six, four, six, five height, six, eight, six, nine wingspan. Maybe that continues to grow. Um, and maybe he does work as a, as a position of need, but <clears throat> like you said, with, with ball and Anthony, if you're picking number two, I know you're you're not saying that you would necessarily trade down, but if you're picking number two, do you really just go for it with best player available, or do you think about maybe grabbing a forward or a center at that point? Yeah, at that point, um, I'm, I'm if I was a GM and I had De'Aaron Fox sitting on my spot, I'd be calling down. Um, I mean, there's not going to be a ton of teams kind of ironic if you look at the top of this draft class um there's really not a ton of teams that are gonna be looking for primary initiator help uh charlotte's definitely gonna be one minnesota's gonna be one uh new york's gonna be one but golden state doesn't need a point guard cleveland's already got a couple atlanta's got trey young so it's a, it's a really complex draft class for uh primary initiators but if somebody's sitting in the five to 10 range and I can convince them to give up something nice uh, to get Paul Anthony or LaMelo ball, whichever one strikes their fancy, that's probably what I'd try to do if I was the Kings at this point. Um, but to go back to you, the second point of your question, uh, I do have two bigs in this tier. Um, I know one of them is going to make uh, Brendan uh, shudder a little bit. So I'll just get him out of the way. Uh, James Wiseman definitely would warrant heavy consideration uh, in this, you know, somewhat tier of the class. Um, he's big, played only three games for Memphis before uh, eligibility nonsense, and I and I use that word kindly. Eligibility nonsense pretty much ended his season. Uh, now he's training on his own, getting ready for the draft. Uh, but he's a seven-one big with a seven-six wingspan. I mean, that's a that's a wingspan that you only a couple of NBA players are going to beat. And uh, he's just an incredibly bulky, strong dude. Uh, and it's hard to take too much from just the three games um, we saw from him this year, uh, especially considering two of those games were against poor competition. Um, and the one he played against a good team, which was Oregon, uh, he was hampered by foul trouble and had less than ideal play on both ends of the court. But I think that in this draft class, given all of the weaknesses we're going to talk about, um, I think that there is definitely uh, a reason or some warranted optimism for 
all right, this guy definitely didn't show us everything that he can do in just these three games. Um, he's a pretty talented defensive player. He seems to have shown a solid enough motor in those games to believe that he's going to uh, accept and thrive in the physicality of the NBA. Um, so I, I definitely think that in in most of the draft classes in the last couple of years, I don't think I would have drafted him in the top five. But in this class where there's a lack of certainty and every dude at the top is playing in awkward situations, I understand a team gambling on his tools if they've done their homework and believe in his motor. Yeah, guys with motor questions always kind of scare me a little bit here. Like you said, I think yeah. that uh, my understanding is that most people are enamored with his physical tools. And like you said, I mean – being seven one with what was it a uh, seven six wingspan is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but you know I do have concerns here that uh, that you have sort of a Hassan Whiteside situation on your hands. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, how do you feel? I guess I mean comps are always sort of screwy. No, no two players are going to be the same. But I mean, what do you make of the sort of motor issues and like you said it's difficult to tell with this limited sample yeah you know what i get why people are concerned about him uh even if you didn't watch his high school games uh which which i certainly didn't um you have no idea how to take his he had he had poor high school and aau numbers um and there were a lot of smart people who were questioning his motor preseason uh i'll just say that the three games that he played uh, the one thing that I wasn't doubting from his on-court play was his motor. Like he was getting to his spots. He was actively uh, trying on both ends. He was very determined on defense. Now he wasn't playing the best competition for two of those games. Um, and he was probably a little over eager playing against Oregon. Um, but I, just from what I've been able to see, I wouldn't really say that I'm, I'm concerned about his motor. Um, I'm more concerned about his feel on the offensive end. Uh, I think that, you know, I wish he had played 30 games this year so I could have seen how he settled in with a somewhat difficult Memphis team, um, how he how he accepted an offensive role, if he was all right morphing into the more pick-and-roll standard collegiate big that Penny Hardaway kind of wanted him to do. Um, but I'm not really concerned about his motor. I'd say the thing that concerned me most about watching him in those couple of games was that he decided that the most effective offensive play that he could run was turn around uh, fadeaway jump shots from the mid post. Even when he was playing guys that just had no chance of even getting close to guarding him just from a standstill, he just kept doing these weird fadeaways. So I'm I'm more concerned about how he develops as an offensive player and if he ever gets uh, quick enough to become that switchable defensive um, space defender that I, I think you kind of have to believe he'll become if you're going to take him in the top five. Um, but like you said, I, I'm going to I'm going to understand why a team selects him in the top five when he goes in the top five in a couple of months. Um, but I, I'm not concerned about the motor. I'm just concerned about a lot else about his game. And it sucks that we're not going to get to see him work through those problems in Memphis.
is is the other big that you have uh and i'm struggling with this name is it onyeka okongu from usc the other one we're looking at here yeah you said that right uh onyeka okongu um yeah i, I would definitely have him in the same tier which is pretty funny because if you if we'd recorded this podcast a couple of weeks ago i wouldn't have had him in this tier um i kind of come around on him in the last couple of games but um he he's just a lot of fun to watch it took me a while um he's just showing too many flashes offensively and he's already a very sharp defender it's impossible to keep him out of this tier uh he doesn't have the sheer length or the size that wiseman has he's more like six nine six ten uh with a seven one wingspan which is you know solid enough for an nba center uh and He's definitely quick enough to where he's a top-tier quick, quick twitch uh, vertical athlete uh, who's just starting to add strength to his frame. So I believe that uh, he'll get to a point where he's got the starting center size and strength. Um, but his tool set is is pretty impressive for a, for a guy who doesn't have otherworldly size. Um, in the post and on the cut, which is – pretty much how USC uses him, just doing those two things. He's got excellent touch around the basket, like stupid touch for his age. He makes baskets that I have no expectation of finishing. I think he's still scoring in like the 98th, 98th percentile for post-up plays. Um, his baseline ability will always be as a pick-and-dive guy. Um, he's got Willie Cauley-Stein vertical spacing potential, but without the rebounding and physical <laughs> hesitation. So I think uh, that's a pretty good comp. I like that one. Going back to Wiseman for a minute, um, I wanted to know how he fits in with uh, recent draft picks that have been like, you know, obvious, obvious centers, guys that come in and you're like, okay, well, this guy, he's going to be a five. Um, Some names that just want to throw out there, like Jackson Hayes, Mo Bamba, and even DeAndre Ayton, just guys that we we all knew they were. It was it's they're five or nothing. Um, how does he compare to guys like that? Wiseman's definitely going to be a center. Um, he's he's a quick athlete, and when he gets up, he can get up. But I definitely don't think his physical strength comes from his um, explosiveness. Um, he's more like once he gets moving, he's impossible to stop kind of guy. So I guess he's kind of more like DeAndre Ayton uh, in that sense. Um, I think he's definitely a tier above Jackson Hayes for me uh, and nowhere close to where I believed in DeAndre Ayton a couple of years ago. I don't remember what the third, who the third name you said was. Oh, Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba, um, yeah. Yeah, I think he's more he's definitely more of a special athlete in terms of his fluidity and sheer power than Mo Bamba ever showed me at Texas. You know, the the, the allure for Bamba at Texas was just, whoa, this guy's incredible length. Uh which Wiseman kinda has a little bit, but he's definitely stronger and I would say more fluid. Yeah, and again, comparing to Okongwu, um, do you see one of them fitting better alongside Bagley potentially? Because, I mean, they have sort of the same limitations, right? Yeah, they definitely do have the same limitation, and that limitation is in their shot. Um, 
neither one of them has flashed enough as a jump shooter to make me think, oh, yeah, this spacing will be fine in Sacramento. Um, having Marvin Bagley is just going to make it a complication for either one of these guys. There's just It's not a seamless fit either way. So it would really just come down to, all right, do you trust one of these guys more to to work on that jump shot, to become more of a balanced um, – more balanced offensive player because neither one of them are playmakers. I think they both averaged one assist per game. Onyeka is definitely doing that. Um, so do you trust one of them more defensively? And do you, and I understand why a lot of people are really, really high on Onyeka's uh, defensive um, range. He's definitely got the foot speed um, the quick twitch, the change of pace to catch up to guys and, and guard in space. I've been really impressed in the last couple of days how he's reacted to switching on the guards and then when the guards try to dump it over the top to whoever, to their big, who should be trying to take advantage of, of the switch, Onyeka's just got a really amazing ability just to get back and, and block the shot. His run protection has been incredible all year long. Um, Gun to my head, I think I'm still taking James Wiseman over on Yekka because at that point I'm just gambling on the on the the tools. Um, but I'm not going to blame anybody who has Onyeka higher than James Wiseman on their board at this point. It's interesting. So it this is this tier really only has one. One guy that makes sense as a fit, I guess, on the Kings. Um, and even that is not ideal, not perfect. Um, you still would mm-hmm. like someone with more uh, a more more assurance that they will be able to space the floor. Um, so if, is this the end of your tier, by the way? I got one more guy. I got two more guys in this tier. Um, okay, let's hear them. Yeah, yeah, I'll get uh, Tyrese Maxey out of the way because he's just as complicated uh, as these other guys we've been talking about. Um, he's more more of a combo guard. Uh, I think, I mean, he's been playing with two other point guards. Uh, it's really ironic. Three of Kentucky's best players this year are six three-point guards. So you want to talk about redundancy <laughs> at the position. That was a little complex. Um, but I think that Tyrese Maxey is going to get to a point where he might be worth gambling as a secondary two-two guard. Um, now he's in the same boat as uh, Lamelo Ball and Cole Anthony, where you'd have to weigh the value of, boy, do we really want to add another uh, guard to this roster, or maybe we think about trading down and go for one of the wings who's a little later in the range. Uh, if some team's really high on Tyrese Maxey, but um, Maxey's not shooting the ball well right now, which further complicates him for Sacramento, but uh, there's a lot of really smart people that are sure that he's going to be shooting the ball at a high level in a, in a year or two. Uh, and he just does everything else you want on the basketball court pretty damn well. Uh, he's a good secondary creator. Um, he's got some individual one-on-one moves that just make your jaw drop. And he's probably the best guard defender in this draft class, I would say. Um, He sure is from a determination standpoint, even if his technique isn't great. So again, I'm just adding another complex evaluation 
to this mess. Um, another guy who probably doesn't fit what Sacramento needs whatsoever, but that's just the top of this draft class for you. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And uh, you said you had one other one here. There's a name I'm yeah. really hoping to hear. Is this, uh, is this a wing <laughs> from Auburn? Yeah, it's a wing from Auburn. I wanted to save him because uh, if I start uh, if I start going on Isaiah Kokoro too long, it's just going to get uh, way too optimistic. Um, so I should I should let me just get the good out of here first because uh, otherwise I'm just going to rant all day. Auburn basically plays like the collegiate version of prime of the prime Memphis Grizzlies, all grit and grind. Um, and somehow on a veteran team that uh, Bruce Pearl put together to stress switchability, Okora is the best defender of them all. Um, he's an insane defensive prospect, both in his tools and his instincts. Uh, 6'6", 130 pounds of pure muscle. Uh, physically, he's going to build like a young Andre Iguodala where he just got springs and jets for days and, and the strength to back it up. He's a big physical outlier at the collegiate level, and I think he's going to be more physically ready for the NBA than the rest of these rookies that we've been talking about. Um, and those tools let him cover an incredible range of collegiate players. At his physical peak in a couple of years, I think he's going to be incredible, switchable, lineup-optimizing defender. Um, he's smart. He knows how to face up guys one-on-one and keep himself angled. Uh, and he's a really smart team defender on a really smart defensive team. He gets beaten off the dribble now and again, but he's more engaged and and more calm about his defensive assignments than I'd say 95% of freshmen ever are. Uh, I don't know that I'd expect him to be a lockdown defender on day one, but he's going to be a really, really good defender for a very long time. And unlike the rest of these guys that we've been talking about, that's something that Sacramento really, really needs. Um, so even though I wouldn't say that I think he's got the ceiling of any of the guys that we've talked about, I definitely think that he fits what Sacramento needs from a defensive switchable wing. Um, the good thing about his offense is that he can be a really all-around solid offensive complementary dude uh, if we just don't talk about his shooting for a moment. Um, he's relentless at the basket. He's always moving without the, without the ball. Uh, he doesn't force anything, and he makes really nice reads and assists. He doesn't need to be force-fed the ball to be effective on offense. Uh, and I think he's got plenty of, of untapped potential thanks to um, some driving skill and uh, some flashes of creation ability off the dribble that uh, I think we're not going to get to see enough of at Auburn. Um, I'm probably a little too high on his creation future considering his low – usage rate but i think that's really something that can be unlocked uh in the nba if he gets to a team that has a whole bunch of shooters around him um the obvious downside for okoro and the reason why he's not in the top tier for me is is his shot 
Um, I don't think his jump shot is broken. It's kind of just a flat push shot. Um, I won't pretend to be a shot doctor, but I bet he gets better in the next couple of years with a good support staff. Um, but he's only shooting 29% from three right now and 29% on unguarded catch and shoot shots and only 66% from the line. So nothing really positive in the numbers right there. Yeah, the shooting scares you away a little bit, but I mean, I can't help but be enamored by the rest of it. Like, I, I think Sacramento yeah. could use just a great defender like this. And in theory, they should, on paper, Sacramento should have the shooting to surround him, um, at least yeah. from these guards. I mean, it hasn't been great this season at times. I mean, I think that um, when the ball moves well, like recently we've seen the shooting kind of start to go down, but this is one of the guys that, I mean, there is kind of a, I guess maybe there's not a hole because the uh, the Harrison Barnes deal, but he doesn't seem like a long-term fit necessarily. He's almost a placeholder of sorts. And if you can bring in a 19-year-old that, like you said, I mean, Igudala sort of uh, player in a way. I know he has great touch. Like you said, not forcing anything I think is important here. Um, yeah, I mean – this is my draft crush as well. Like I said, I haven't watched a <laughs> yeah. great amount of games, but this is definitely my guy. Uh, could you real quickly, because I believe this is the end of your tier two, and um, go through, I don't know if you have them in an order in that tier or if you just have them all grouped in a tier. Yeah, I just have them all grouped in a tier. Um, for Sacramento, I definitely, if the Kings got like pick number two, I think my goal would be to trade that pick uh, and move down for wherever Isaac Okoro uh, ends up being selected. But that might also be being too high on Okoro's long-term future. Uh, I really believe that in a couple of years, he's going to be a, a really good, uh, you know, who somebody meant, somebody comped him to the other day. And I think you'll like this, Brendan. I think he can become a, a Marcus Smart kind of glue guy. Um, uh, you know, Marcus Smart level impact from a wing uh, with probably some more creation upside. Uh, shot has to improve. He can't just create gravity by moving. But like you said, he, he keeps the ball moving. He's not going to stifle anything on either end. And he's a kind of a, a lineup optimizer on both ends. I think, uh, I think that's the kind of guy that the Kings really could use. And of everybody we just talked about, I think he's got the best chance of actually being in the Sacramento range, wherever the Kings end up picking, probably in like 10 or so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You knew I would love that one. Are you kidding me? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so we got Anthony Edwards, tier one. And then we got tier two. Mm-hmm. We're looking at Cole Anthony. Stop me if I mess up any of these. LaMelo Ball, uh, James Wiseman. We got Tyrese Maxey, um, Isaac Okoro, and did. Um, did Onyeka make this group as well? Yeah, he did. Okay. And did I miss out on anyone here? Nope. Nope. That's uh, that's the whole two two for me. Okay. And what sort of – I mean, it's hard to project upside with these guys, and it, it's varying upside. But what sort of long-term player are you looking at in this tier two? Like, is it just a starter-level impact player? Like you mentioned uh, – Marcus Smart, Igudala, where like Igudala, you know, had a better peak of his career. Um, but are you sort of looking at complementary, um, solid starter players in this tier? You would project? 
Yeah, I think the most likely outcome for all of these guys that we just talked about are very solid starter. Um, I think that there is a chance that maybe Cole Anthony becomes a a fringe kind of all-star guy, maybe LaMelo Ball too. Um, You could sell me on on pretty much any of these guys like being fringe top 15 for their position kind of guys. But unlike the last couple of years where we were, you know, really high on, oh yeah, this guy for sure is going to be an impact starter. Um, I can't really look at any of these guys and say, oh yeah, that guy is 100% a starter on a winning team for a long time. Um, And in that, I think, is one of my reasons why I like uh, the idea of trading down for Isaac Okoro or or getting him at Sacramento's actual draft spot, only because in a draft class lacking surety at pretty much anything, I am positive that that, uh, Isaac Okoro is going to be a really solid NBA player for a long time. So I think that's something that uh, is appealing to me because I know what he's going to be. I know he's going to be a really, really good defender with some offensive upside. Um, I'm not so sure that any of these other guys, uh, I'm I'm not sure about any of these other guys pretty much. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to not see the appeal in that. And like we mentioned, I think there is a fit there for Sacramento, which uh, just increases that appeal. And we did lose Rich here. Rich has a bunch of wind going on. So we're going to wrap this one oh, up no. ourselves, Brian. Yeah. Uh, so when we're looking at a, we're at seven names here is what I have down. Who do you have? And we're, we've been going for a little while here. I don't think we need to dive as deep into these next couple guys, but maybe give me, two or three more names in the second tier or how big is this third tier that you have? I got uh, three guys in this third tier. So I think that's a, a good one uh, to talk about. All right. Let's hear. Um, yeah. I'll start this third tier with, um, with a personal favorite of Tim Maxwell. Um, Danny Avita from, um, yeah, is currently playing for Maccabi Tel Aviv uh, over in Euroleague. Um, the, He's a six eight uh, swing man. Um, I'm not quite as high as Tim is on, as our giraffe friend is on him, uh, but he definitely deserves serious consideration if he's in the range for Sacramento. Uh, and I'm willing to admit that uh, I have Isaac Okoro over him, but I don't expect that um, many smart draft evaluators uh, would, just because, I mean, he is a multi-talented uh guy who's got excellent playmaking ability. Um, he's seemingly improving at a, at a very high rate all throughout uh, his uh, last couple of months. Um, he's a gifted playmaker, like I said. He's got good touch around the basket when he gets there. He had a nasty dunk a few games ago that hints that maybe any athleticism concerns may be overblown. Um, he's got good balance moving with the ball. Uh, his dribbling and handle has to improve. Uh, but he's got a cockiness to his game and a drive to be a star that I think would make him a fan favorite in Sacramento pretty quickly. And he certainly has, uh, I think, the upside allure that a lot of guys are going to be hoping for in this draft. So if the Kings are sitting there at eight and, and they took uh, Denny, I think. Kings fans would have a lot to be excited about. 
Yeah, interesting. So, yeah, I don't – I'm not educated on him very much at all aside from yeah. uh, the, the Tim tweets that go out. And I think part of it is yeah. him joking around that uh, Sacramento and Vlade is not going to be able to help himself with an overseas guy. <laughs> um, but Well, you... I think what Tim – I think what Tim is most excited about, I, I, I'll, I'll just be quoting Tim here. He he wanted a guy who um, wants, who is passionate and wants to be great. No more soft guys. Uh, and I think that uh, Denny's definitely got that. I think the downside for Avita is that his just his shot isn't great. Um, same kind of thing as Isaac Okoro. He's pretty much shooting uh, 29% from three in Euro League this year. Uh, ESPN pointed out that he's shot 42% from deep in his last 10 games. Um, I mean, that's good to see. His game would be seriously unlocked if defenders had to respect his shot. But he's also just shooting 56% from the free throw line in EuroLeague. And, um, I mean, you, you just can't be a 6'8 wing unless you're offering a lot of defensive versatility. You, you just can't be shooting 30% from three and still be an efficient player. So. Um, if his shot continues to come around, I think he'll probably leapfrog into that second tier for me. But uh, I'm holding off until uh, until he makes that case. Yeah, and what do you think of him defensively? And, I mean, a bigger question, because we see different guys like LaMelo Ball and RJ Hamptons mentioned in a couple places, how difficult is it to judge the defense when they're going up against overseas talent compared to college? I mean, actually, is overseas talent better than college basketball? Uh, I would say that Denny's been playing guys playing against guys in Euro League that are just as talented as any college team. Um, I watched a bunch of his U uh, twenty games uh, from last summer, and I mean those ones are he's playing with uh, European players who are under twenty, so the talent pool there is probably a little higher. Uh, but it is it should be pointed out that. Uh, he took his uh, uh, Israeli team to uh, the the under-20 championship last July, and he was named the MVP. So uh, just in terms of, you know, his age range in Europe, he's definitely uh, a top-tier kind of guy. Um, on defense, I think he plays tough. Uh, the most standout thing for me is his instincts and his determination when he's off the ball. He's a very willing help defender. He likes to get his hands in the passing lane. Uh, and he's very willing to slide over for weak side rim protection. I don't know how much those things are going to translate to the NBA when he's playing much faster, much stronger, much taller guys. Uh, and he doesn't have the tools that Isaac Okoro does. He's he's six eight, but with a six nine wingspan, and and he's just not a, a great athlete. Um, but you know, uh, it is a little tougher to evaluate uh, defensive acumen. Uh, but pretty much any guy we're going to talk about has given enough tape to at least address most foundational questions. Got it. Yeah. So um, I guess last little question on him. Do you view Is he sort of like a three, four combo you're looking at here at six, nine? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'd say so. I would hope that uh, he's definitely more of a three, but he's, um, no, definitely a 3-4 combo, especially if he can learn to shoot, then he unlocks some uh, offensive versatility with that playmaking. Uh, but, I mean, he fits a need for Sacramento. If that shot comes around, they could definitely use a big playmaker uh, to 
play next to Fox and and Bogey or Buddy and preferably Bagley. I mean, the Kings can always use more creators. Mm-hmm. And I guess actually, you know, he's one of the guys that does fit. We could spend a little bit more time. So my final question on him would be, what do you see the main differences between him and Okoro here? Well, I just think that if I'm going to gamble in this spot on a wing, um, I'd just gamble on Isaac, um, Isaac, geez. Isaac, because I know what he's going to be at the NBA level. And he's going to be a really standout defender. Um, I mean, I know that at the NBA level, Denny's going to be a very solid secondary playmaker, but I don't know if that has the same value for Sacramento. If they both hit their floor, I think that in the end, I'd rather have the defensive wing who is an okay tertiary uh, ball handler than than Denny as a secondary creator um, who is all right at the help defense. So I think it's a very lowest of their floors I, I'm just going to trust Okoro more yeah totally fair I, I think the defense would be a, a bit of a higher value to Sacramento here considering they're not uh, all too far in between them and you have Okoro ranked a little bit higher um, as I see a lot of people do who's uh, the next name or another name you got out of this tier well I think if you want to watch a good college basketball game this year the best option is to turn on a Dayton game and watch Obi Toppin um first off his his actual name is Obadiah Toppin and and I don't know why you would have such a cool name like Obadiah and then try to nickname it um he's he's just so much fun to watch Dayton is I in, in mid-major team I really hope they go far in the tournament because um they're just a joy to watch. He's averaging 20 points and eight rebounds a game. Uh, and along with uh, his teammate, point guard Jalen Crutcher, they're just leading a, a, an exceptionally smart, almost NBA-level kind of offense right now. Or, you know, not NBA-level, but NBA-style kind of offense. Uh, Toppin is a promising NBA big 6'9", 6'11", wingspan. Uh, he's probably got the largest offensive skill set of any big in this class. He's shooting, uh, I think it's 36% from deep on nearly three attempts a game. Uh, he has very solid synergy numbers across the board offensively. Um, his shooting numbers have dropped a bit since the start of the season where he was just absurdly hot. But he doesn't rely on the shot to the point where teams can stop him, even when that shot's not falling. He's an, ex- he's an excellent athlete. Uh, he doesn't have the size or the reach of Onyeka or, or James Wiseman, but he put his combination of strength and explosiveness up against either of those dudes any day. Uh, he's good off the dribble. He fights hard for rebounds, uh, and he loves to throw down dunks. I mean, the first game I watched of him his this year was when Dayton played against St. Mary's, and he almost threw down an all-timer level dunk. He is the kind of guy who just loves to get in there and, and – throw down and battle with whoever he's got to beat up against. So I think at the very worst, um, OB Toppin's going to be in a really nice complimentary third big off the bench who can really score. Um, I'm kind of imagining a, a bouncy um, Kyle Kuzma kind of guy with a better uh, range on his shot. And, and we know how valuable 
those kind of big men are in the modern game. Yeah, I mean, did we finally land on like a great or a solid offensive pairing here with with Marvin Bagley? Yeah, I think so. Um, in in the range that Sacramento is going to be, I think that Obi Toppin would be a a solid uh, fit with what the Kings have. If you're just taking fit and you're not considering best player available, I think he'd be a really smart option. Uh, his shot is really legit. I think that would really open it up for Sacramento. Um, he's an all right playmaker. There's definitely some times where I think his shot selection isn't great and he'd be better off resetting the offense, but he has some flash passes now and again that make you think, Oh man, this guy is just pretty well-rounded offensive skill. Um, defensively, I'm, I'm more concerned. He definitely wouldn't help Sacramento as a rim protector like Wiseman or uh, Onyeka would. But in terms of offense, I think of the bigs in this class, he's definitely the most natural fit next to Bagley. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting he is uh, older than most of these guys. I think everyone we've talked yep. about is – 18 except Cole Anthony sitting at 19 they're all 18 or 19 here um and Obi Toppin is 21 he's listed as a sophomore but am I correct in remembering that he was redshirted for a year as well yeah yeah he is he's going to be 22 on draft day so he's definitely an older player he's definitely closer to or at least NBA teams are going to consider that he's closer to his ceiling outcome than a lot of these guys so I understand if understand that aspect if he's lower on some guys' draft boards but um in the end it's just hard to watch a guy who's that talented a scorer uh at a position that just cries out for offensive versatility it's hard not to watch a player like that and think man he's just a natural fit to slide into a nba offense yeah he's definitely someone i'm gonna have to get watching here a little bit uh like you said i think it makes for an interesting offensive fit next to bagley and there's not very many players that uh among this top that we feel like do make a good fit for sacramento but who is the last guy that you have sitting in this third tier of yours um the last guy is uh tyrese halliburton he's a uh, ball handler for uh, iowa state um you know it's pretty funny for me to make this comp when uh when his brother's sitting in this class but he kind of seems to me to be a logical logical uh, Lonzo ball comp um more of a secondary creator whose best skill is his passing acumen and, and court vision um Tyrese is 6'5 uh but he's just a skinny skinny stick of a player i think he's got more basketball iq per pound than pretty much any player I've ever seen. Um, he's got excellent playmaking ability. He'd average 10 assists per game if his teammates could hit open shots. Uh, he keeps the ball moving. Uh, his assist numbers will skyrocket in the NBA. Um, but it's pretty funny to me that Iowa State's got this guy with just such a great playmaking ability, and he's fourth on the team in usage rate. Um, for all the guys that we've talked about in this draft class who uh, have that, man, I wish he had a better team around him label, I think he'd probably be at the top of this because I would love to see a team optimized around uh, Halliburton's um, uh, offensive genius. But I think 
the reason that I would argue he might be a good fit with Sacramento is that he's proving to be a very solid shooter. Um, he's hit 42% from deep on 120-plus attempts this season. His shot is a little wonky, and it's in front of his face, uh, but he's just incredibly consistent when uh, when he shoots the ball, and his long arms help give him a higher release point. So I have no question that he can become a really good catch-and-shoot player who could be optimized next to De'Aaron Fox driving to the basket and kicking it to him. Um, I think the limitation for him would be that I'm not sure he's ever a primary initiator, only because he I'm not sure he'll ever individually create a shot consistently for himself. Um, he's not going to be a guy who can just rise over people with a slower release. But as a secondary creator who can thrive as a catch-and-shoot guy, keep the ball moving, play with high IQ on both ends, um, I think Sacramento could do a lot worse if they're sitting, you know, at the tail end of the lottery. And he, and he might be the best player available at that point. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, uh, when you're talking to these guards that could potentially fit, and he's a bit bigger in a way. I mean, 6'5", like you'd feel a little bit comfortable with him uh, sneaking or stealing some minutes at the three, I would think. And having catch-and-shoot capabilities, while it's an individual limitation to not be able to create off the dribble amazingly, um, I, I think that it does kind of complement next to Fox a little bit when you are able to just operate off the ball and be effective that way. Um, we are running a little bit long here, so I want to—I want you to get your other names that you have out here before I ask you, uh, maybe to kind of list a top three, top five uh, for Sacramento's picks here. Sure, uh, a couple of guys I think should be getting some attention from Kings fans. Uh, Sadiq Bay from Villanova is a lot of fun in kind of a three uh, and D guy mode. Um, if they had a pick in the you know the twenties. He'd definitely be a guy I'd be keeping my eye on. Um, uh, Isaiah Stewart is a lot of fun in Washington. He's a big man, and he's a prototypical protect the rim, grab the boards kind of big man. But he's just got a grit and determination that I think all college bigs should, but don't always have. Um, Nico Mann. Is is there a teammate in Washington, maybe? (laughs) I am. Uh, you're, you're, of course, talking about uh, Jaden McDaniels, uh, forward up in Washington. Um, he seems like such a logical fit for Sacramento, just based on his position. But I'm really, really not that high on him right now. Uh, and I think it's for a different reason than a lot of these guys. Um, I think a lot of these guys know what they're good at, but the team constructs around them are hiding things. I think that what Jaden McDaniels loves to do is drive to the basket, but it's just not his game. He's not a great vertical leaper, and when he gets into a crowded paint, he just doesn't know what to do with the ball. Um, I'd feel much more confident about him if he was on a team. If he gets drafted to a smart team that says, hey, we're going to get you the ball, you're going to kind of be a more 3 and D catch-and-shoot guy, and you're going to slowly learn to um, shoot off off the dribble instead of drive to the basket every time. I think I'd be a lot higher on him because he sure does uh, try on the defensive end, but 
I am just have not been impressed the last couple of times uh, I've watched him play for Washington. And he's kind of had a rocky road over the last couple of uh, weeks. Um, uh, against uh, number 23, Colorado, he got benched for all but nine minutes of a game. And uh, it's been rocky. I definitely say that he isn't in that the top three tiers for me. Yeah, that's interesting. I, uh, I've i read that he has the skill sets and some of the videos I've seen definitely intrigue me. Like you said, a good fit, but if you're not properly utilizing that, I mean, that definitely is a major concern with these guys. Um, I think the next name you were starting to say here was was a redhead in Arizona. We're looking at Nico Mannion. <laughs> yeah, Nico Mannion is a lot of fun to watch in college basketball. Um, really good uh, shooter and a really smart, high IQ playmaker. Um, I think he'd be a really solid uh, kind of uh, lead guard for a team that already has superstar talent at other positions. So that's not Sacramento. But if you're going to turn on a a basketball, a college game this year and uh, Arizona's playing, they're definitely worth watching because he's a smart, fun, high IQ player to keep your eye on. Um, and then there's plenty of guys playing overseas that, you know, we haven't talked about mainly because I haven't, uh, I don't feel confident in how much I've watched from them. Uh, Killian Hayes is a favorite of our buddy, uh, Tony Zipteris over at Sacktown Royalty. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching more tape on him. Uh, you mentioned uh, RJ Hampton, who's also playing in the Australian Basketball League uh, for New Zealand. He's got a lot of combo guard equity that I think uh, is intriguing to a lot of teams in the lottery range. Um, and then I'd say one last name that I'm keeping my eye on that I need to go back and watch uh, because friend of the show, uh, Nathaniel Miller, has been praising him for a while, is Devin Vassell from FSU, uh, 6'6 wing, throwing up some insane defensive numbers right now. Uh, so like like I said in the beginning of the show, there's a, there's a decent number of names in this class, and I'm, I'm pretty confident that you know, there will be five, six, seven really solid starters in a couple of years. But uh, I don't envy any NBA team having to pick those guys out this year. It's just going to be a, a complex draft class. All the names we talked at at the top for Sacramento are very complicated and have a lot of caveats. But, um, I mean, this is, this is what you sign up for when you uh, decide to run a basketball team. Nothing's going to fit perfectly. Nothing's going to be easy. Yeah, and it seems like there's some decent role guys that you're still going to get in this draft, but the star talent at the top, like you said, uh, does seem a little thin. More than likely, Sacramento's not going to be at that very top, though. Um, like you mentioned at the beginning, I mean, they're sitting at like the 11th best odds right now um, and starting to win a little bit, but the bottom of the East is uh, going to be a little much for them to, um, I don't want to say overcome because we want Sacramento to win these basketball games, but more than likely yeah. you're going to be in the lottery. Absolutely. So I can't help myself, but <laughs> almost hope for the higher. <laughs> pick here. Um, yeah. But so, I, I'm not at that point. I'm not at that point this year. I, I would just rather Sacramento win as many games as they can. This isn't the class where I'm like, Oh man, they really need to lose so that they can move up there and get to a higher tier of players. I think, I think Sacramento probably ends up in the nine to, you know, 12 range in this class. Um, and of the guys that we talked about, I think the most realistic ones for King Sands to be keeping their eye on 
who maybe will end up falling into that range uh, and could have a real argument for, hey, Sacramento needs this kind of talent. Um, I'd say Isaiah Okoro uh, is definitely my favorite in that class. We've talked about him enough. Uh, Denny Avita is definitely worth keeping in mind in that range, although I think he might. Uh, he's getting a lot more buzz in the, in the top couple of five picks or something like that. Uh, Obi Toppin's worth keeping an eye on. Like we talked about, he's a really good fit next to Marvin Bagley. Uh, and Onyeko Kongwu, I'm not sure that NBA uh, GMs will put as much equity on a more old school center as a lot of draft Twitter has because um, he he's more of a uh, old school center on offense right now, but he's definitely a new age rim protector and space defender. So uh, I think that's a good list of names for Kings fans to keep an eye on right now. Yeah, sounds good. I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye myself on these guys moving forward. Um, and I guess maybe last question is how likely is it or how often do you see a player at this point that's not being mentioned in this, you know, top two tiers take a jump with, what is it? There's still maybe a third of the college season left to be played, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. This happens every year. I mean, March Madness is going to springboard some dudes into uh, into the top of the class. Um, I mean, Damian Lillard wasn't even being talked about as a top 20 guy in his draft class. Uh, and then he ended up being the number six pick. This happens every year. Somebody, somebody in the in the fifteen to thirty range is going to go crazy. Uh, and you know what? I, I hope that happens because uh, college basketball needs uh, an infusion of of excitement right now, now more than ever. So, plenty of guys to enjoy watching right now. But I understand why people are kind of tuning out this season for college basketball. Yeah, I'll be riding out the uh, Isaac Okoro hype train with you on this one uh, until further notice. Um, <laughs> yep. You know, the last thing I'm going to ask you here, Bryant, what's going on? What's are, are you okay, man? You got a lot of these Costco hot dogs for breakfast recently? What's, what's, <laughs> what's the deal here? Uh, just three days in a row, the best option um, for where I was at the time was going and grabbing a Costco hot dog for breakfast. I don't know that that's healthy. Um, I don't they're know cheap, that that's though, uh, and they're pretty good. Yeah, they're oh, good yeah. Value. and they're really good. Yeah, yeah. they're really good. Yeah. Like I, I'm not complaining. I had three <laughs> good mornings in a row, um, but I don't. It's not anything I'd recommend anybody go try to duplicate. I'll back you, by the way, uh, from Tim's attacks that the pizza is better. That is just oh, uh, I could not disagree no. more. Costco pizza is easily the most disappointing thing about Costco. <laughs> there might be more disappointing things, but the pizza's up there. The pizza's up there. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Like it's a weird place where the better pizza at a, at a, at a place is the cheese pizza. Like the pepperoni pizza is just almost unedible. And I don't know how you do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's uh, all we got for you, Bryant. I mean, as the college season develops and some of these guys maybe start to more clearly shake out, um, maybe we'll have you come back on. I know we're going to have you mentioned a uh, friend of the show, Nate Miller. I know we're going to have him on. He likes to 
really look at the depth and the weeds of the draft. So we'll yeah. go a little bit deeper with him here. But uh, I'm sure we'll have you on at some point, uh, either during the offseason or later on in this year. If there's no good Sacramento basketball to talk about, we can try to look forward a little bit more. But appreciate you coming on and taking the time and sharing some of your insight on this, man. Of course, guys. Thanks for having me on. You guys do excellent work. Appreciate that, man. And uh, thank you to everybody out there listening. You will hear from myself and Rich will get his internet fixed uh, within the next couple of days.